0: How are you doing? And welcome to Tech Radio, brought to you this week in association with Vertiv. We are the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Every Friday evening on RTE Radio, or of course, you can get us first anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Spotify and Google Today, uh, we're going to be talking about Windows 11, Ikea, Bitcoin back in the news, Amazon, tot, 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 tot. And uh, oh, and something free from Google. Well, we do like the word free. Mm -hmm. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 873. And to chat about it all is our editor in chief, Niall Kitson. Uh, Niall, there's only one really big story this week.
1: Well, there's plenty of big stories, but tell me, tell me the story you think is big.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to next week. I think it's next Thursday when uh, Microsoft are going to officially announce the brand new Windows 11. And I'm kind of thinking, wow, this is exciting. I'll get to see it for the first time and see all the new features. Except.
1: Except. (laughs) Somebody got there first.
0: Except somebody got there first. Yeah, exactly. Except somebody leaked it. <laughs> Somebody's leaked it. We know everything. It's kind of a little bit disappointing. Because it means then that next week we're just kind of, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> well, did you know what's disappointing? Here's, here's the thing,
1: right? We were told in what well, far back as 2015 when Windows uh, 10 was released hmm. that this was it. There is no more, you know, numbering on Windows. It's just going to be Windows. And you'll get your over-the-air updates and that sort of thing. It will update automatically. But mm. this is it. It's just Windows from here on in. Uh, and and now we're back to numbers. We're back to Windows 11. So what's, what gives? Mm. Um, now, I actually have to say I'm a bit disappointed with the aesthetics behind Windows 11. Um, okay,
0: the, well, listen, t- t- tell me what we know and what we've seen of Windows 11 first. What yeah. does it look like? Okay, uh, if I'm being really... Horrible. If I,
1: I've decided to be a really horrible human being about this, mm-hmm. I'd say it looks like Windows 3.1 and Mac OS have been shunted together. You are being
0: really horrible when you say that. <laughs> Would you agree or disagree? No, I disagree. I, I don't think so. I think it looks a little bit more like Mac OS. The, the most obvious thing I think uh, with Windows 11 is that they have. Um, Centred the uh, the start bar, so you've got all yeah. your most used icons and everything in the middle at the bottom of the screen, which is generally where you'll find these things on Mac. So I think that's what makes it look very Mac-ish. I don't really like it. I prefer it off to the left, but the good thing is, is that you, there's a little setting in there and you can shove it off back to the left if you, uh, if you like. Um, unlike a Mac, uh, when you do click on the start bar, it will kind of a little bit like the start bar at the moment, will fill up most of the screen, but it has three sections now. So the top section will be your apps or your most used apps. Uh, then underneath that, you've got your recent docs or your recent apps. And then underneath that, you've got your own shortcuts.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. And I think they do that. Uh, and there's some nice effects on it and stuff like that, rounded corners. And it just made do you know what? It looks like a refresh rather than a new Windows 11. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing.
1: I quite like Microsoft's sort of angular uh, UI at the moment. Mm. I, I always thought it was a, a nice antidote to Apple with their with their curves. Uh, mm. Microsoft, with its sort of flatter angle, uh, kind of enjoy that, I have to say. I do enjoy how Windows 10 looks. Mm. Uh, personally, I have the taskbar at the top of my screen uh, to have it at, at eye level. That's what that's what i like um so i will be doing the exact same with uh with, with windows 11 and when i get it um yeah i'm just not a huge fan of the centered icons i there's also apparently going to be a greater emphasis on widgets uh mm. you, you remember widgets don't you 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 remember I, back to windows vista when widgets were a uh, thing
0: oh yeah um I don't know if they'll take off again. Uh, I think they'll make a better job of it this time. Do you know what I do like is that they've got the little uh, news and information or the news and interest thing, mm. um, which is starting to kind of roll out now, particularly if you've got uh, Windows uh, 28 eight two, And it's just kind of a little icon down on your taskbar, which will just show you what the current weather is. Mm, yeah, uh, and I like that. Uh, and it took me a bit of a while to figure out how to make it un-American and at least make it UK kind of news. But there's no way that I can see that you can make it kind of like Irish news, unfortunately. Or if you've got particular it, a specific interests or anything like that. But just that on its own, down on, on, on the star bar, I like just what yeah. the you know whether it's cloudy or raining, and whether mm. it's ten degrees or two degrees.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to say. Well, another thing that I saw is a lot mm. more of this sort of dynamic content, uh, sort of updating news content in the in the background, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and of course, it means that if there's room for you know dynamic content and nice pictures and nice presentation, you can be fairly sure there is going to be room for ads to be pushed at you as well. So, I, from what I can see, uh, I reckon this will be a very nifty free update but it will certainly pay for itself in the amount of advertising I think you will
0: be exposed oh, to. Oh, you see, my teeth are barred already. I'm like a rabid dog growling. I don't want to see advertising on the operating system of my computer. I don't care whether it's Linux or whether it's Mac or whether it's Win- I don't want to see advertising. Okay, no. so... All the is, thought of that is just horrid. Yeah, well, if there
1: was a uh, perpetual version of Windows 11, uh, would you pay for it? If you knew you wouldn't be, um, if it was ad-free,
0: yes, right. Yes, I would rather pay for it. And I think a lot of people get their Windows when they buy their machine, hmm. and the cost is included that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that Microsoft need to charge a huge amount of money for the uh, for the OS. Mm-hmm. Um, because the OS is the basis of everything else. Do you know what I mean? Like for yeah. their office package and other software and stuff like that. Hmm. And yeah. if they are the number one OS out there, there are other ways to make money. So oh, the thought oh no, you've ruined my day now by saying that about <laughs> advertising. Oh, my goodness. Um, Do you know what else uh, I like? So the the center start button is is there and the way the start menu works. Rounded corners, light skin. I just think that's amusing to me more than anything else. All right. Mm -hmm. Because you and I have been around long enough to know that we've gone from dark mode into light mode to multicolor mode uh, back to dark mode again is the current thing. Which Mm -hmm. really just makes me giggle. Uh, Rounded corners, um, you know, kind of very specific corners. Uh, We've been there several different times of various uh, variations and stuff like that. It's fashion fashion just coming around and around. Uh, the widgets, maybe, I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, there's a nice snap, actually, because I use the shortcut with the Windows key and uh, the left cursor or the right cursor to be able to put two applications, one perfectly on the left-hand side of my screen and one perfectly on the right-hand side of my screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are... Uh, upgrading that so now you can snap Windows into place easier or you can right-click and you can actually kind of pick a design if you like. Yeah. So you could have one main program open taking up the entire left-hand side of the screen and then two programs, one taking the top right corner and one taking the uh, bottom right corner. That kind of a way. So that's another nice. But it's all in all, it's kind of, it's like, mm. (laughs) I agree with what you say. It's like, well, why are they calling it Windows 11? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we we shall wait and see. And that is uh, next Thursday, I think. And it's going to be, uh, I think it's 10 a.m. Eastern um, or 11 a.m. Eastern, which I think is about four o'clock late afternoon anyway here in Ireland. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll be able to find out more about it. And uh, and we'll we, we, you and I have to make a decision. Do we want to do our podcast as normal on a Thursday or are we going to watch this thing and then sit down on our Thursday evening? When we could be enjoying glasses of champagne with our respective ladies. As we as we always we talk, do. As we always do on a Thursday. On a Thursday. <laughs> we worry about that afterwards. Uh, listen, uh, in the news also. Oh, sorry. Uh, just about Windows. The other uh, story this week is along with that is they've announced that they're going to stop supporting Windows 10 yes. in four years time.
1: This, is this was another sort of, um, flag that windows 10 was not for this world, uh, mm. as a brand, mm. um, when they you know, part one, yeah, event next week, mm-hmm. uh, part two, we are ending support for, for windows 10. And as mm. soon as I saw the brand, I was like, hang on, like, does it, that entire strategy is out the window. So that's, that's gone. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm disappointed really, um, Again, it goes it goes against their entire strategy, as we were told back in 2015. But hey, if they think it's it's not broken, doesn't require fixing, that's their business. Do you business. know what I would
0: like? I think will be a good um, compromise, if you like, is okay. if they drop the 10. Okay, yeah. Just that. All right. Yeah. And they just call it Windows. And then yeah. when you get into the actual version, it says Windows 11.0 or whatever it's going to be. That's fine. I yeah. no do you know, what, I don't know where do you stand on the naming convention um, between numbers and names. So do you prefer, oh, I'm using Monterey, or do you prefer to say uh, I'm using uh, version 11.2? Oh,
1: just give me a number.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Give me a number. Every time, every time. I hate that naming um, um, thing that they do. Anyway, da, 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 da. Uh, other things in the news today. Tell me all about IKEA, naughty people naughty people yeah well we always wonder about you know
1: what do big companies do when uh, when they're when we're not looking uh, and apparently I, I mean we all get very paranoid about these things I mean we know Amazon are you know hyper hyper uh, engaged when it comes to monitoring their uh, their employees right right mm. down to sort of bathroom breaks and, and this sort of thing and as a, as a result it means that there's an awful lot of employee churn. And Amazon. Mm. people do not stay there very long just because the the nature of the work is so micromanaged and it's so um it's so hard to keep up with you know and so much of it is is automated as well so uh ikea a brand that we would have thought was you know fairly happy clappy uh mm. apparently were monitoring uh, their employees without their knowledge um and this is um Uh, An infraction of GDPR that went back to about 2012 and uh, has been pursued through the courts in France, leading Mm. to a fine of 1.1 million euros. And the former chief executive, Jean-Louis Bayo, has Mm. been ordered to pay 50,000 euros specifically for storing personal data. He also got a two-year suspended prison sentence. There you go. That's, That's...
0: that's the French leading the way. All right. Yep. And and the only reason I say that is because what is 1.1 million to somebody like IKEA? It's like you or me are 50 cent. I have to pay a 50 cent fine. Oh, boo hoo. Oh, no, it might be even be a euro. Boo hoo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's nothing to them. But to, have, to know, to send a signal to say that the executives who are in charge of the organisation are personally liable if this goes on during their watch. That's a whole different
1: ballgame. That is, that is. I mean, looking at the sort of information that was gathered on people, you you had the police being paid to gather access or provide access uh, Mm. to staff by management. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous stuff. And even customers redeemed mm. you, uh, you know sort of uh, bad elements or bad eggs or whatever um, mm. yeah I mean another case of a staff member uh, who was claiming unemployment benefits had their bank data accessed by IKEA in France because the company reckoned oh this guy is up to this guy or Kyle is uh, is up to no good let's find out ourselves not not even you know reporting to the relevant authorities but conducting their own investigations so this is absolutely uh, nuts stuff and a, and a great chart That's a crazy. great um test of gdpr and it's great to see that it held up in the courts because as we, as we know like absolutely. we've seen france get very aggressive with mm. uh, with big tech i mean mm. we we've heard of uh, facebook in trouble we've heard of um, google, google. Has it got a
0: fine there recently yeah
1: big trouble mm. uh, and yet in comparison our own Actions over here seem fairly tame. I mean, we're, we're not mm. seeing the sort of big fines that, you know, we, we want to see as consumers. We want to see these mm. companies um, uh, operating ethically uh, to make sure that we know exactly what is being done with the, with the data they're gathering uh, about us or even that they are gathering data about us at all of course we mm. we have the choice under gdpr not to allow that uh, or at least to be made aware that data is being gathered on us so uh, yeah i'm i'm very happy to see fines being levied uh, whether it's against a company in particular or a manager within the company yeah um yeah
0: yeah i i think that 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 is that is the case in any corporate case in that if the directors have been acting Illegally, the directors are personally li- liable. Yes. yes. Um. D- d- so that's it. Uh, anyway, that's we're getting into company law there. Uh, elsewhere in the news today, now NFT. This uh, what non fungible token um, non-fungible uh, thingy. Token. Um, a very interesting person has decided to take one of these and sell something very interesting. Yeah, that, Tim, uh, Tim Berners us nerds Lee would be interested in.
1: Yeah, Tim Berners Lee has made a non fungible token of Objective C hmm um uh which is sort of the the basis of the of the internet as as we know it today um and he's decided he's going to sell the whole thing the the original if you will mm.
0: uh objective c that's the kind of thing I can see Elon Musk buying Ooh. Yeah. no but seriously like you know if he, he I know it's a, a digital piece of of work but you could get a printed version of it, or a printed version of the source code it be hanging up on his wall and he'd go you know what that's the first line of code written that started the internet.
1: Yeah. Well, like, here's the thing, right? Uh, I mean, objectives, like the internet is based on open technologies. Mm. So all you're doing is, bu- well, doing? this is the thing with non-fungible tokens. It's like you're buying the thing with the stamp of authority that says, this is the original thing. Yeah. You are buying the original. Not yeah. so much that you can't use it or anything like that, but it's like, this is ground zero. And I say so because I am person X.
0: You see, now you're banking to copyright, okay, and who owns it, okay? I think the NFTs are quite good in that you say this is the original piece of work, and this is the owner of that original piece of work, okay? Hmm. So yeah. that's fine, and you know, most times the owner is probably like, yeah, 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 go on, use it, I don't, I don't mind, or it's been out there for so long, I don't mind, whatever. I just want to be known as the owner of it, all right? Mm-hmm. But if you do have some something that can be so easily copied uh, digitally. And you do need to be able to say, I am the original owner of this. Then that gives you some kind of copyright control over uh, other people being able to copy it. So say that you write code for a living, all right, like Mm -hmm. Tim Berners-Lee, all right, and you write this thing and it's amazing and it turns into be the next internet, whatever that happens to be, Okay. Uh, you want to say, well, that's actually my code. I should be the one who benefits from it. Mm. And an NFT is very good for that. All right. And then you're able to sell then the code and people who copy it, you can take them to the court and you can go, eh, eh, you eh, eh, used it with their permission. So I think mm. it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. Uh, speaking of uh, Elon Musk, on my notes here, I have written, <sighs> Elon Musk is being a dick again. <laughs> Did you underline again? (laughs) No, I underlined dick. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, fill us in.
1: Okay, right. Uh, You remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Elon Musk said, okay, that's it. We're not taking Bitcoin uh, as currency uh, for uh, buying Tesla cars because the uh, amount of energy being used, being sucked up, to create a more Bitcoin. It's just, it's bad for the planet. It's bad for the environment. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, the, the the inflation on Bitcoin is is just ridiculous. It's outside mm. the, the reach of normal human beings. So therefore, uh, I'm pulling support for Bitcoin. Um, that's it. Uh, nope, it's back. <laughs> it's back in that it's increasing in value again. It, it is back. Tesla will now... <laughs> Restart taking transactions in Bitcoin, the value of Bitcoin has now reached, well, at the time we're talking, right, it's mm. uh, $40,000. Let, let me do a quick check in real time here to see just how, what the value is at the moment, because it went down to 33,000 mm. um, 33, during, uh, during the last few weeks. There's a man um, who
0: wakes up every morning and checks. I wonder how how much my bitcoins are worth. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, as of this morning, it's worth uh, 33. Um, All right. There has yet been been movement on mm. the whole uh, Tesla announcement, as far as I can tell.
0: Yeah. Well, you see, the reason I am kind of calling him out on this, uh, like Bitcoin is volatile because it's new and nobody knows, and there's going to be certain people and they're going to try and manipulate it and whatever. Sure. Okay. Elon Musk single-handedly turned around last, I think, February and went, this is great. We're going to start taking uh, payments in Bitcoin and we're going to put 15 billion or whatever it was in, in, into Bitcoin ourselves, okay? Yeah. And everybody went, oh my God, that's a sign. That's that's a huge pat on the back for Bitcoin. I'm going to invest. And that's when, you know, the price of it, which had already doubled or trebled, continued to, to go up to un, unbelievable heights, all right? Mm. Then um, Elon kind of just turned around then and went, ah, do you know what? Ah, it takes a lot of energy to make these things. You know what? We're not going to take uh, Bitcoin uh, to pay for your cars anymore. We, we don't support it anymore. And then the value just, whoomph. this yeah. is one man on Twitter influencing the price of this thing by by tens of thousands of dollars. And I just think that is in some ways crazy. Uh, yeah. In some ways it's ridiculous. But then in others, that's the nature of Bitcoin, all right? Yeah. And if you're going to put money in, you've got to, what's, what are they called uh, in Bitcoin circles? You need to hold on for dear life. Oh, That's yeah. That's literally yeah. the expression.
1: Like Bitcoin. a year ago, right, Bitcoin was worth less than nine and a half thousand dollars. Yep. It uh, had a record high of 63,000. hmm So at the moment, it's 33. Apparently, it went up to 40. Just as soon as uh, Elon Musk made the announcement that that they'll start taking um, taking mm. Bitcoin again, uh, mm. and you know
0: it just shows the volatility that's there. However,
1: the uh, El Salvador has now adopted it as a, a legal <laughs> yeah. tender.
0: Now that's a resounding endorsement, isn't it? <laughs>
1: well really. Well, when when you're, I suppose when you're, what your main <laughs> currency is is the American dollar. I suppose it gives you a, a little bit of latitude. I suppose to to experiment.
0: Yeah, that that just made me smile. I, I, of more interest was I think it's the city of Miami are um, playing with Bitcoin and that they'll accept uh, some payments in Bitcoin or they're going to make some investment in Bitcoin uh, of, of city funds and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um else nothing against the country. I know very little about the country uh, and and most of what I hear is not uh, particularly complimentary. Um, So the fact that they're backing Bitcoin doesn't really kind of fill me with confidence. It'd be kind of like Ireland backing Bitcoin. Do you know what I mean? The rest of the world would just go, (laughs) so what? (laughs) Where Sorry, is yeah, Ireland. good good luck
1: with Bash.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah, your yeah. future endeavours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, I bet you can be really sarcastic when you want to be. Yeah. Um, listen, all the news I did mention uh, about free stuff, uh, Google Workplace, uh, which is kind of interesting. It kind of gives you an elevated version of uh, Drive and documents and stuff that was that we are used to. And um, they are now making a Google Workplace, as it stands now, for free. Oh, well, you know what that
1: means. There's no such thing as free.
0: No, of course, there's no such thing as free, especially not with Google. But anyway, you will be able to use the extra features in Drive and Meet and Docs and Sheets, et cetera. Um, so like, you know, I've seen people use their uh, smart suggestion in emails or they do these app mentions for for people mm. so it automatically tags them. Um, or you can use Google Docs or Sheets or Slides directly within their uh, meeting calls. And you can use the Meet calls yeah. as well and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of good. Um, and it all integrates with Google Chat as well, which is kind of getting more and more like Slack. So you're able to, you know, kind of keep everything together at uh, Workplace. Mm. So that's good. But of course, um, I don't know what they're calling it, but there's going to be like a Google Workplace Plus Plus.
1: <laughs> of, of, <laughs> with even, of course. With even more features. <laughs> where, where, where I imagine it's usually, you know, the, the carrot on these things is like mm. extra storage or something mm. like that, you know. Uh, personally, we use Google Workspace. Um mm-hmm. all the apps are there, they're all great. We we did a sort of a comparison in the office of who was using uh Office and who was using um Google. Google. Mm-hmm. Uh because we were we were doing sort of a an audit of, of our IT estate. Mm-hmm. And I just moved over uh to Google and just as soon as we brought it in, I was like, Okay, docs, that's fine. Um drive, yeah, all excellent. We we're moving our surveys to Google Forms because we weren't getting any additional real functionality that that we felt required paying thousands for uh, a year. Another provider, yeah. Yeah. So everything that you want to do is kind of there. Mm. Um, As as we know, though, I mean, Google, they're just a data hoover. So you'd want to check the the fine print. Uh, Are are they going to look at the metadata of, you know, Dusty sends most of his emails around four o'clock he sends mm. most of his emails to IP addresses within Ireland. What's he talking about in
0: his emails?
1: Well, that's mm. that's where the line has to be drawn for GDPR purposes. But as we know, mm. um, uh, cloud services do call home mm-hmm. and metadata is something they're very, very happy with. Um, so, yeah, not, not data, but certainly data about data is, uh, is what, what they're yeah. after.
0: Well, if you're looking for work features, and actually, do you know, I'm, I'm a real, I, I've always been a user of Microsoft Office and I like it because I know my way around and I use Excel and Docs all the time. Um, I don't particularly want to go on Google, but I'm finding now as we get into a more collaborative world where two or three people need to work on the same document, uh, a lot more people are using yeah, Google Docs and Google Drive and everything for that kind. Of, so collaboratively, for a collaborative workspace... I think mm-hmm. Google absolutely wins out.
1: Yeah, I think um, Google were first to first to the yeah. punch there.
0: I'm going, to, I'm going to get a call now from Microsoft going, Have you heard of Teams? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, listen, we'll do uh, one, your deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, one really uh, quick one. Uh, Amazon, because we've run out of time on this, but uh, Amazon um, have been talking about fake reviews. The thing that amazed me on this is uh, how many fake reviews they removed last year.
1: Yeah, and this is an entire economy. If you want your product to sort of go to the top of the Amazon listings, if you want that nice, shiny, you know, uh, badge of approval kind of thing on it, there are companies out there advertising their services where they will plant uh, plenty and plenty of positive five star reviews to bump you up the rankings. Um, Yeah, so Amazon have taken down, oh, you've got the number in front of you. It's absolutely, it's hundreds of millions, isn't it? It's 200 million fake reviews. Wow. That's. That's a lot of text. <laughs>
0: that's, all, that's insane. Well, when you consider the worldwide, you know, but a man, that's that's just insane. So I their, think so- their
1: annoyance, though, and and I find this hilarious. Mm. Uh, for a company that relies on user-generated content to help drive their sales, um, they they are pointing the finger at social networks for not doing enough to take down uh, oh. the companies that are selling these
0: reviews. Yada 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 yada. I smell bull. It's it's like you know Mark Zuckerberg going, oh uh, sorry about that. We'll, we'll try harder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just, they're just yeah. throwing it at somebody else. It does it doesn't matter. Anyways, I think we all are aware that uh, there are a lot of fake reviews on Amazon, and I think over the last twenty years we've kind of found a way to spot fake reviews not only on Amazon but on other shopping sites on travel sites um uh, airbnb all all those kind of uh, uh, things so that's an issue for them Uh, i just wanted to mention very quickly speaking of amazon that uh, next monday is prime day Mm -hmm. uh prime day if you are a prime member is usually a good time to be grabbing some amazon stuff so if you want to get a kindle reader or a smart speaker or a fire or the echo show i love the echo show five i have one um and i hear they might be doing a two for one on the echo dots so you get stereo it's very good Ah, uh, nice, yeah, nice. Now, 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 there you go. All right. Listen, um... Let's wrap it up for there uh, for the news this week. not as always, thank you very much. Do remember, we keep you up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more. You can grab them for free at our website, techcentral.ie. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. The energy market is undergoing a massive change thanks to the amount of data that we are producing and the move to home working. So how will this new normal challenge the infrastructure and hardware that keeps us healthy, happy, productive and entertained. Niall Kitson spoke to John Byrne, Head of Operations for NLX, UK and Ireland, and also to Russ Barker, Key Account Sales Director for the UK and Ireland at Vertiv, for their views on how the electricity grid and data centres are evolving to meet the demand. John, just for anyone listening to the show uh, that might not be familiar
1: with NLX, tell us a little bit about the company.
2: Um, so, NLX are a company um, based based in Rome. H- our HQ is in Rome. Um, we have offices uh, globally, um, and I I work out of the the Dublin office and um, primarily focused uh, on the UK and Irish markets. Um, my um, my particular uh, part of NLX, uh, we're focused on mainly on grid services. So we're enabling our our customers or our sites to to participate. And grid services like demand response, frequency response um, and earn, earn revenue from participating in these programs. So
1: there's a very important reason why we're talking about uh, the grid today and one of which is to do with a, a discussion happening at European level but also as it's been such a fascinating and unprecedented year and I guess the energy market has had to shift uh, in line with the demands that have been placed on the on the grid with this move towards home working. So, what have you seen in terms of patterns of our energy usage, and maybe what kinds of challenges you might see coming down the ro- down the lo- down the line on the basis of our experience?
2: Yeah, yes, indeed. No, that, that's correct. Um, there's there's certainly been a move uh, towards remote working and, and cloud services, um, and it's you know it appears to be changing the energy market um, as we know it. Um, there's, there, there's there there is a, a an ongoing fundamental shift, uh, certainly during COVID, but um, we've even seen this uh, before COVID hit uh, back early last year. And um, if we, I mean, if we look at, at some of the numbers, um, there's been a forty percent surge in data usage um, between February last year and April last year. And um, obviously, this is due to increases in video streaming, re- remote working from COVID. However, even before lockdown, um, data consumption was on a, I suppose a, a well-established uh, long, long, long-term growth uh, trajectory um, driven by the number of devices, content, streaming, etc. cetera. Um, furthermore, Gartner predicts that uh, 30% of, of workforces um, will be working from home by 2024. So data usage is, is growing exponentially
1: just that relationship between data and energy i mean it is kind of a one for one at the moment isn't it correct that's correct yes
2: if we look at you know stores or e-commerce or e-commerce you know mostly uh, moved to 100% uh, digital last year i think sales reached nearly 900 billion dollars uh, in the first quarter of this year um up 38% from march last year and um, which is which is um which is outstanding to be honest
1: so this this sort of encompasses that move again from you know from office to home office from business to the home and from uh, the high street to uh, to e-commerce services mm-hmm. as well. So one imagines then that this complete reconfiguration of energy demand sort of changes things from sort of almost the industrial scale, if you will, of, of managing the large building to the domestic scale of managing that home office. So we, we kind of have a consumerization of the energy market in a sense.
2: We do indeed. We do indeed. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, we look at the... the the growth or the, the surge in, in remote working um, has caused a, you know, a, a huge increase in, in, in data center electrical consumption. Um, as, we, as we know, they, they consume huge, huge uh, amounts of power, mostly for cooling of racks. Um, and I think uh, we, we, we expect to see a, a, an increase, a 15-fold increase by 2030, uh, up to 8% of projected total global ed- electricity demand which is up from 1% just a short time ago.
1: Um, so when we're looking at how the grid is basically being reconfigured in, in terms of uh, uh, its issues, this also presents a massive problem in terms of sustainability, because one imagines that our previous sustainability strategies have relied on the fact that our economy is going to look a certain way. And, and now we know that it's not. It's going to look very different on account mm-hmm. of these these trends. So what kind of demands do you see being placed on the national grid and and how can we meet them sustainably?
2: yeah there's the, the the demands the data center demands on on on, on the, electric, the Irish electricity grid in particular um is growing exponentially um you know we've seen we've seen a a, a surge in 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 um sorry getting lost here we've seen a a surge in 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 data center consumption um due to due to, due to uh, you know remote working uh, the number of devices that 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 people are using um, and that sort of stuff.
1: Okay, so uh, I suppose it now is a good time to uh, bring Russ into the conversation. Russ, you're, you're of course, joining us from uh, Vertiv. You have a slightly different perspective on things. Well, maybe not different, but complementary uh, in that Vertiv uh, brand um, associated with data centre hardware and basically the, the gubbins of the data centre, if you will. What challenges do you see to the data centre industry in Ireland, again, in light of this reconfiguration of the energy market?
3: Well, I, I mean, I, there's some tangible challenges for the for the data center industry, primarily about that, that revolve around how quickly it's growing. So the, the standard things you'd expect in, in terms of keeping up with that demand just from the construction needed, the skill sets needed. But uh, really the discussion around the energy needed for them data centers is a more interesting piece. Um You'll have seen, I think just Friday, that the CIU came out with a report that it's really looking for a reset of, of planning permission for data centres in Ireland. I think John mentioned that um, by twenty thirty eight percent of global demand will be in data centres. Well, in Ireland, you have a specific case. You're already at 11% of your, of your domestic demand is on data centers and in the next five years that's that's heading to 19% and up to 25% by 2030 and that's a really unusual scenario in terms of the amount of data center power being taken against domestic consumption. Now what that does it, it clearly puts a huge load on the existing supply at a time when Ireland is trying to decarbonize so it's driving a narrative of data centers taking all the power which is where the CRU report's coming from, and it's, it's suggesting you know we need to stop, have a look, and, and see see what the future looks like. Now, that's actually a huge opportunity for data centres because to time with John's points about um, grid services and grid support, data centres can participate in all that. And when when John's talking about the um, increase of renewables, what this drives is a is a less resilient grid, a less fault tolerant grid. So you need to provide some demand-side services where you can load shed when you need to and provide frequency response services. And data centres can do that. The equipment that we provide into data centres, the UPS, can do that, and they've been tested to do that. Now, at present, that hasn't been happening too much. It's, it's something that a few of the big players are interested in, but it hasn't been happening too much because there's no legislative push there. What looks to be happening with the Ciu is there's going to be a legislative drive to make sure that those services are in place. And if that happens, you move from a narrative of data centres taking all the power to data centres actually participating in the solution to let Ireland meet its target of 70% of renewables by 2030. So it's going to be a really interesting time for, for the data centre industry in Ireland and meeting that challenge of where power is coming from and how the data centre industry participates in that provision of power rather than just taking that power be really really interesting to see. So what do you uh,
1: envisage the data center of you know the next 10 years actually looking like? I mean the current vision is that of the the almost military quality bunker with the, with the high ceilings and and, and that sort of very uh, mm-hmm. with the loud ambient noise of of air conditioners. So
3: is that perception going to change what else are we going to be seeing? Well, well I think I think you'll still see see the military-looking buildings without many identifying marks and, and all that wonderful stuff and the high fences for security. But I, I think if you look from the top down in the future at present, what, what you have is data centers as just users of power. But moving forward, looking at, looking at what the CIU are, are trying to drive, and, and to me this is only a good thing, what you're going to end up with is data centers that are not just using power, but data centers that are also producing power. So in order to, to, to get a connection, going to have to have provision of power generation on site. So let's say you build a data center, you need to have a gas generation plant on site. And there's certainly some new players entering the market now that are already planning on doing that. So you'll have gas generation on site, which is able to either power the data center or at times power back onto the grid. So you're producing power at times a high need for the domestic market. Um, What you will also have is more interaction with the grid. So The UPS that we provide and the facilities that NLX provide allow, allow us to provide frequency response services within hundreds of milliseconds. So this is not something that you can do by just removing demand. It has to be permanently connected and available. And that allows you to react quickly to faults in the system, which are going to be more prevalent when you have much more renewable power. They'll interact with that system. And in doing that, the data center operators will actually gain revenue for provision of them services. At the same time, as allowing Ireland to hit 70% renewable target um, and it will also help them to gain the planning permission that they need to, to continue to operate in the country. So from a top down, you'll begin to see a data centre more as a, as a complete energy centre. And it kind of ties into your point about what's going to happen in the home. I mean, I guess I guess we at, at some point we will all have solar, potentially we will all have some, some energy storage on site in the garage that's feeding in from that solar to, to charge his car outside. It's really that sort of move away from a centralised energy service to one where it's much more distributed to provide a little bit more tolerance and a, little, and a few more options for the, for the network providers.
1: John, just to bring you in on that point there of us becoming energy uh, producers as well as consumers of energy, are you seeing this becoming the norm uh, in various other cities around Europe? Because this is sort of the great hope that, you know, you will have your solar power on your solar panel on your roof and you'll be able to power your home and you'll be able to sell the excess back into the grid. To what extent is this uh, actually realistic, and are is this uh, a legitimate style of energy economy, or should people be looking at, you know, saving pennies over making pounds on this kind of thing?
2: Yeah, there, we we've certainly seen a, a change from the old style one way street that the electrical the electrical system typically was. It's much more of a two way street now, Nile, where you can you can consume energy and you can potentially give back to the grid. Now there's, there's, there's all sorts of constraints with that, you know, r- transmission system operator rules and regulations, um, and, you know, requirements that, that you have to meet, um, but we are certainly seeing a, a, a change, uh, g- kind of led here in Ireland. Um, you know, the, in fairness to, to our grid, they're, they're certainly pushing the boundaries. And I think Russ mentioned a couple of times, uh, the, you know, the 70%, the 70% target that, that's, uh, that you know that, that we want to achieve by twenty thirty, um, uh, you know, and to to enable that renewable generation onto the grid, um, the the transition the, tra- the transmission system operators have had to uh, look at look at programs to enable this renewable generation like frequency response, uh, demand response, this type of stuff. Um, and while AirGrid are, are are you know continually pushing boundaries. Other markets, they're they're a little bit slower to respond, but they're certainly um, following suit and looking to enable, um, you know, more renewable generation, which which inevitably leads to uh, more of a two way street, say, a give and take, um, to 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 enable this renewable generation.
1: I think that's a, a really important point to to emphasize that the energy market is becoming that, a give and take, because when we look at our attitudes towards renewables at the moment, one immediately leans toward wind power, seeing as we have an awful lot of it in Ireland, not just coming from a, the public sector, but but from actual wind. Um, But that always doesn't work out either because we are still suffering from the vagaries of of the climate. And and we actually came pretty close to not quite an incident, but perhaps we we should be uh, a little bit more aware that sustainable energy isn't, uh, uh, it's not going to be as reliable as we think.
2: Of of, of but, course, and 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 while you know, renewable generation is fantastic, and, and this is the way we're we're heading, it can of course cause cause problems for, for grid operators. Um, renewable sources, you know, as as you mentioned to us, uh, are, are not, uh, by their nature are unpredictable, intermittent. The wind stops blowing, you know, sun uh, stops shining, etc., and um, which creates real time volatility on the system. Um, and, you know, this volatility puts the stability of the energy supply for us all um, at risk. And this is where we see programs like, you know, frequency response, static frequency response, dynamic frequency response using um, UPS systems come into play where, you know, we will, we, we will, and Alex and, and, and company like Vertiv will, will in real time, you know, millisecond uh, type time frame, monitor uh, the grid frequency and alter a site's electrical consumption based on what the grid frequency is so almost like a real time tracking of the grid frequency and altering a site like 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 a large data center altering their energy consumption to match what the frequency is and um, that's that's the that's the road run and we've 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 the the uptake for for static frequency response was was quick the uh, update for for dynamic frequency response, dynamic frequency response, was a little slower, but we're certainly seeing a lot of engagement now with with large data center clients to to want to get involved in this market. And They certainly see a a potential there. They, they want to be you know good green citizens and 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 enable renewable generation, renewable penetration onto the Irish grid.
3: Yeah, I, I guess the paradigm shift now is to understand that that I think Ireland has kind of a unique opportunity from the from the high percentage of data center load it has. Because yes, it, 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 it's something that needs to be looked at to ensure that the domestic supply is, is is stable and it's going to be there because that's what's most important, right? That the people of Ireland need to have a stable supply. But a lot of the problems that are associated with with renewables that, you know, the wind can be blowing in the middle of the night as no one sat with the kettle on, right? In the middle of the night or there's no, no one watching TV. But in Ireland, you, you're going to probably end up with something like a 25% base load. That's, all, that's always there. So if the wind's blowing in the night, you're not losing that wind power. You don't necessarily have to store it anywhere else either with the additional cost, that can do. The data centers can run on that power. And the data centers can also store that power to discharge it back into the grid on oversized batteries that can be provided back through the, the UVS systems that companies like Vertiv provide. So I think it, it whilst it presents on on face value um, a, a problem for Ireland, it's actually a huge opportunity for the data in, data center industry island in to set itself up as the first sort of the first cluster of um, data centers in the world that tie in fully with a domestic grid system and fully participate in an interconnected supply and become part of the grid rather than just the user of the grid and I do believe that'll be that'll be happening everywhere in 20 20 25 years if not 10 years but in Ireland this is something that that, that could be happening in five years. And really lead leave Ireland at the forefront of what power systems for critical power and what data centers should look like moving forward. Then you tie back into actually having you know the heat projected into district heating schemes like some of the providers are already doing in in Tala. and you really can see that there's there's benefits of running all that data in Ireland rather than you know being too concerned with the power. Actually work with those guys to to understand what can be done to have a holistic approach to it, and, and the benefits really will apply back into everyone because one thing's for sure digitization is not going to stop you know we're just going to keep using more data so the demand for data centers is just going to keep uh, keep increasing so getting ahead of that curve and, and actually ending in a place where you have this holistic sort of interconnectedness before anybody else So really set island apart as a destination of choice for, for the um data provider. And
0: that was Niall Kitson chatting with John Byrne from NLX and Russ Barker from Vertiv. To find out how to make your company's energy use more sustainable with smart grid enabling technology, visit vertiv.com, grid-support and also nlx.com. Both of those links in the show notes of our podcast on your smartphone or wherever you're listening to us right now. That's it for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more at our website techcentral.ie. And of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nala Kiston, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio, subscribe for free with iTunes, or download on demand at techcentral.ie.